0: Hi, guys. I'm Billy Billy. Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir, and we're in Santa Rosa again on day two of the Chef Cycle ride with uh, two extraordinary riders and the organizer of the ride. So, Jeff Mann from Let Us Entertain You, restaurants in L.A. and Bethesda, Maryland, probably more places that I don't even know, but you're both an extraordinary chef and extraordinary rider. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Billy. Thanks for having me. And Lentine Alexis. Mm You're in Colorado, am I right? in Boulder. You're in Boulder. I thought you were in Boulder. Um, But you've done this ride how many years? Three times. Two years. This is your second year. Mm -hmm. Um, And you ride fast and you ride hard and you're like at the front of the pack. So (laughs) you're a real rider and I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Um, And Adele Nelson, you've organized this ride from start to finish. And we've got how many chefs and riders here all together?
1: This year we have 230.
0: 230. Up from last year's 120. That's correct. Yeah, incredible. Uh, so I'm gonna wanna, i want to. I want to talk about what both of you do, and then I want to talk about today's ride because we had some guests yesterday. Uh, Jason Roberts, Andrew Knowlton uh, from Bon Appetit magazine, and Jason were able to talk about yesterday's ride. But I want to give. I want to get like the feel of the ride because it was a pretty great day out there. Um, even for an amateur rider like me, it was just seemed like a gorgeous ride. But Lentine, let's start with you um, in Boulder. Tell us about your work and about how you got connected to. The No Get Hungry campaign into chef
2: cycle. Sure, sure. Um, well, I was actually a professional triathlete before I was a chef, and a lot. Well, the the grand majority of my work has been done in the sports nutrition industry, uh, designing recipes, designing products, and uh, and writing content for athletes and everyone, but with an athletic. And that
0: interest came from being a triathlete.
2: Yeah. So, uh, when I was racing, I was living abroad and I wasn't actually able to find quote unquote energy foods. And so I started making my own things from, from scratch. And, uh, you know, as a professional triathlete, you're putting in like 25, 30 hours of training a week and you are going to need carbohydrates to fuel you. So I started playing around with a whole bunch of different, you know, recipes to bake things, but, I was living in southern Japan. I couldn't find the ingredients that I was used to finding. They used different leaveners. Mm-hmm. They used different flowers, and I knew full well that with the right understanding of the science, I'd be able to craft something delicious of the ingredients I was finding. But I didn't. I didn't know what that science was, and it wasn't readily accessible to me out there. We were living in a tiny little island, so um, I couldn't even. I couldn't find the recipe I was, I was looking for. Uh, When I returned to the U.S., I went to culinary school and started playing around with a few different types of things and ended up landing myself a job working with Scratch Labs, which is a sports nutrition company based in in Boulder.
0: Jeff Mann, you are both a chef and a restaurateur and a writer, and speaking of writing a lot, uh, I don't know how you do it in terms of just work-ride balance, but tell us about how you became a chef and how you became a writer and how you've managed to make these fit together so beautifully. Um, I started cooking at a really young age.
3: I uh, worked in restaurants since I was as as young as I possibly could illegally work under the table. Um, I just found this excitement to them. Uh, and it wasn't really about food. It was more about just a sort of chaos and structure that I was probably missing in my life at that time. And I wasn't really the best kid. Um, and at a really young age, I uh, got kicked out of high school. Um, uh, because I was such a good triathlete and a professional athlete, and that's obviously <laughs> why. Um, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, but uh, I got kicked out of high school, and there weren't a lot of options. I wasn't sort of like doctor, lawyer, cook. Um, so I started, con- I mean, I sort of continued to work in restaurants, and at that point I didn't really grow up too well off or well off in general. So I didn't know you could make a living out of being a chef. I thought that was just where people who screwed up um ended up it's kind of right uh some, some hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> myself included um no and I just but what I did is I loved it I loved the restaurant I loved hospitality I loved service I loved the adrenaline I just loved making people happy and I don't think I really quantified that love until later in my career when I really owned my own restaurants um but the idea that you're able to make someone happy is really—it's a—it's a really simple statement, but it's really complex. And I mean, that's something I really love doing every day. Um, uh, I'm slightly competitive, so.
0: Uh, <laughs> slightly. <laughs>
3: <But> w- which <laughs> of the two? Which of the two
0: of you rides the most?
2: I think you ride the most, I even though my role in the industry is to like ride and cook. I think you're you ride more than I do.
3: So. <laughs> We can also get into... I'm an addict. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, That uh, some we've traded other things for sports. So, um, yeah, no, writing is a, is a big part of my life. It keeps me sane, and we'll get to that. The But being competitive, I started working in restaurants, and I didn't want to work in just, just a restaurant. I had to work in the best restaurant. And so I went from just fancy restaurant to fancy restaurant, and while I was doing really good at that, what I didn't realize is, A, I was not... Taking care of myself whatsoever, by just ruining myself with—I mean, I smoked for 16 years, and drugs and alcohol, and I mean, you name it. I was just an adrenaline junkie. I just sort of wanted to always be in the red. Um, but I wasn't eating right. I wasn't feeling good. I didn't know I didn't feel good. I just thought it was normal to not just always feel uh, tired and worn out. And I opened my first restaurant that I owned uh, about six years ago when I was 27, and. You know, it was just this chaos. And I, I I left fine dining because I was really good at yelling and screaming. And I wasn't really good at being a leader or uh, anyone that's, that's in, you know, some, anyone who wants to be around anybody. Um, and I kind of I emancipated myself from that. I just wanted to go back to what I where I started, which just making simple food. And, you know, I opened a pizzeria. And I, so I'm like, I'm never going to wear a chef's coat again. And I'm pretty much like, with the exception of four times, I'm pretty sure I've kept... <laughs> kept that promise to myself um and we just opened a simple pizzeria and i guess you can't teach it old dog new tricks um we were real lucky and we got like best pizza in the country and all these accolades and we weren't really trying we just didn't know what we were doing um and just trying to make it the best food we could um and growth begets success and so i opened up 10 restaurants in the course of five years um in and your, in your early 30s late 20s in my early 30s yeah, yeah. um and i had a lot of people that believed in me and supported me and i i if any of my business partners are listening i don't run the restaurants <laughs> at all i'm the creative mind i'm the chef uh, i but i surround myself with people who are way smarter such as this table um and w- just way better at their jobs than i am um and when i turned 30 i was still smoking i was still drinking i was doing all these things and it's overweight, and uh, I've always had this issue with very weight. hard to picture you overweight. The uh, I had pictures, Billy. Yeah. Uh, the uh, and I just wasn't doing good, you know. And I was taking care of other people, and something about being a leader. And you obviously know this, and I'm sure everyone at the table knows this: is that you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. And I think it's probably the most important and impactful lesson I've learned in my life is that I was I wasn't a good leader. I thought I was. But I wasn't because I wasn't coming through for them. I wasn't supporting them. I wasn't doing those things because I was just so run down myself. And uh, that's when I found cycling.
0: So... Just for the sake of three of my favorite uh, kids who are who are here—not all mine—but uh, you don't have to do the whole drug, alcohol, smoking thing to be as successful as you are, right? No, it's okay. A, it's <laughs> a ju- I'm, so I'm going to get that on the record because you've got the, three kids here. I think yeah. who probably idolize you as a as a writer and well, as a so chef.
3: Well, so to tell them now, I, I'm happier, healthier. I've been sober for the last two years, and it's the best I've ever been. I think, and that's sort of the thing. That, you know, my dad said when I was a kid. Uh, cause you know, me doing drugs wasn't like a, a hidden thing, like I was a mess. I didn't think I was a mess, obviously. When you're doing something, it's like being tired on the bike, you think you're fine, where everyone else is like, Whoa, this guy, this person's really dangerous. And you know, my dad's like, Drugs are just a crutch, it's like you don't need them to feel the way that is. And I always thought he was lying, you know, yeah. I, until I, I found the bike. Um, He's like, do you think the monks who are able to meditate for a day straight and chant they're not feeling some kind of just higher elevation do you think you know these things and I always thought he was wrong until I started bike riding and what I found with bike riding is that when you're young such as you know lovely children's age and just I mean, even a teenager like you, you get successes every day you kiss a girl you kiss a boy you parallel park you get a license you sneak out of the house the first time don't do that um, it's gonna happen, uh, but you know it's you, you have all these successes, right? And you feel successful and you feel accomplished even from tying your shoe and then when you become an adult and you have a job, it, they, those successes become expectations. You're like, yeah, so you you did your assignment, awesome, that's your job. You know like, oh you, you got a house, great, that's what you're supposed to do. Like you got married for the fourth time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like those are all expectations. And so, what I found with the bike is that every morning I was able to sort of not compete against myself, but I was able to look towards myself and push myself. And if I got up a hill faster by one second, that was a success that I was then able to go into my day with. And so, every morning I ride a bike, I find something new in myself. And even though I ride a lot and I I put in hundreds of miles a month, I've I value that alone time because i don't have a lot of it and sometimes i ride with a group and sometimes i ride by myself but there's this thing when you ride a bike with someone and lentine and i have shared this and i think a lot of us on the ride have shared this where when you're in struggling and in pain and suffering there's this like generosity and camaraderie that comes over you that the person next to you you tell the most like darkest secret to mm-hmm. and like you open up to these people you know um in a different way than you wouldn't in any other at least an experience in my life no. and you bond and the, the idea of helping people um we do it sometimes throughout our days right but we're always kind of like pushing our way through and trying to be the first one through the red light or whatnot and you know like today just like it's just it's a simple idea of like touching someone on the back and giving them a little boost. Like that means the world, you know, like that, that, that very moment when that person's right about to give up and it's an analogy for life that, you know, it's, you, all you need is that one extra little hand and you don't have to do anything. I'm not actually pushing it. It's just, it's the idea of support and in the restaurant business and I'll stop talking in a second, but like in the restaurant business, we don't have a lot of that. And I don't think Billy, you guys realize how impactful you guys are changing kids' lives across America and you guys are uh, shaping the future for us and hopefully we'll have a better future than we're doing right now for ourselves. Um, but what you're doing for my industry and for me and for my friends, which I don't think we ever really talk too much about, is you're changing our lives. You're changing my life. You're changing Lenteen's life. You're changing Adele's life. You're making these culinary professionals care about each other. When Four years ago, they didn't. I mean, there was a few people that did. Like there were sort of friends that worked together in restaurants, but we're selfish we're horrible like, we were very focused on our career but we're also, you're also
2: enabling us to care about ourselves <clears throat> right because, yeah. i mean yep. well i left i left fancy food because i had been an athlete first my passion for cooking came from from feeling good while eating good food and feeling my body well and i couldn't do that when i was in restaurants and by by sort of taking the Taking these culinary professionals, taking our colleagues and bringing them into a space where they have the opportunity to feel better about themselves are actually thinking more about the food that they're preparing for their communities. All everybody, all of us have this intrinsic desire to to feed people, to to make others happy, to see the smile on their faces when you're sharing something delicious with them. But to share something that's, you know, of exceptional quality, that's healthful and, you know, seasonal and and, you know the deeper meanings of the food that we prepare that's what this cause is also enabling us to do
0: adele nelson for folks who don't know what chef cycle is um don't know what the no get hungry campaign is how did this all come about and um just give us a, a description of chef cycle itself
1: well so chef cycle started back in 2014 where one of our supporting chefs jason roberts decided that he wanted to ride across the country and raise money for no get hungry in the process and The conversation was, that's a great idea, but I don't think this is gonna bring the awareness and and the fundraising that we need. So let's look at a smaller smaller ride and let's start out with a couple of people and let's see what happens. Uh, I guess ultimately the thought was, are chefs really riders? And we got a group of about six chefs together and they rode from New York to Washington DC, so that 300 miles. And it turned out that each of them had some friends, That were also in the culinary community that also found out about this and said well we want a ride too this is a great idea and in 2015 you guys went and um, we had 20 chefs on each coast we did a, a ride from new york to dc again and then the next week took some of those riders and went over to santa barbara and did another 300 mile ride and had another 20 chefs on that side so there were chefs from all over the country kind of coming together and, and learning about this only from their peers this is all of word of mouth and in 2015 we decided just to stay on the west coast it was easier logistically and kind of centralized that um ride from carmel to santa barbara we had 124 riders that is four times the number that we had in 2015 and it was uh, or in 2014 for me um it was all word of mouth. There was no other marketing that was done for it. And it was just chefs calling each other saying, hey, you kind of like to ride and come with me. Let's train. Let's do this together. Let's raise money for No Kid Hungry. We raised a million dollars with 124 riders l- that year. That is unbelievable. And
0: this year we're going to raise?
1: We are probably going to close in close to $2 million, yeah. if yeah, not we're, just above that. Yeah. But we're at 1.72 right That's now. Awesome. And with 230 riders, again, this is word of mouth. This is each rider we asked last year to go home, bring back one person that next year. So we've doubled our numbers and we've doubled the amount of money that we're raising. And we're doubling, tripling, quadrupling the size of this community just through social media networks and through just the passion that each rider brings to this is it's just it's we can't harness it in a bottle. It's just it just keeps going.
0: So, um, thank you, Adele, Jeff, and Latine. You you've both been talking really about uh, almost like personal transformation—the way, you know, think how how people change. And um, I'd love, Jeff, for you to just say a little bit more about. You talked about, you know, when I just dis- you said when I discovered the bike. Yep. But how did you discover the bike? And was there a, was there a point in your life where you said, um, I got to I got to turn things around? I mean, was there something that triggered that, uh, or
3: I'm, there's we could be real graphic uh there's definitely some pinpoint um highs and lows in my life that
0: because uh, i mean you that, made a big change
3: i mean yeah i think there's 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 a lot of big changes um i meant getting everything from you know totaling my car with four other cars and almost killing people and because i was drunk and I, you know i'm Go, you know, going to jail for other things and being a ward of the state. I mean, these are all probably pretty good call signs of, like, you should stop okay, doing so what Okay, so th- there
0: were things that, that happened that were serious and, that—
3: You know, but the problem is, is those things never taught me anything, honestly. Like, I just kept doing what I was doing no matter what after that. Uh, and that's sort of what I, what I touched on, what really um, made me change is my staff. The people in the restaurants, the people that I really cared about, the people that came through for me every day— um, those people made me change. The, people, the, uh, the idea that you know, these people are working so hard to make me successful on, every, uh, on any given moment of the day. Currently, as we're speaking, I have 10 restaurants that are all functioning very well uh, without me there. So um, I made really the change for them and not thinking that I would get it. I didn't think I would dive so far deep into it. But being a cyclist I guess is addictive and I mean just the more you talk to cyclists I think the more you find out it's very addictive and you know sort of sort of to Adele's point before I get into how I got into the bike was there are riders on this ride who have been on the bike four times and they're right. their they're, they're fourth and fifth time are riding a hundred miles you know and this is, these are hard rides these aren't easy rides I'm exhausted you know and I ride all the time like and where that comes from is this trust.
0: You're exhausted. That makes me feel good. You I'm, should. I'm, uh, it that it makes is, me feel I'm, really good just right napping. now. I yeah. It was
3: great. I'm just wearing sunglasses because, you know, I'm not just, you know, doing it to be cool. Uh, no, but I think it's this trust, right? It's, it's being able to tell someone, hey, you, 300 miles is a big number to any cyclist. And if you're like, you're going to be okay. You know, I'm telling you, you're going to be okay. You know, telling, you know, other friends, you're going to be okay. Like there has to be a trust there. And I think that's what's really important for these chefs now is building this trust with each other, saying, well, you are going to be OK, like pushing each other. But there's I said that there wasn't, in my experience, too much of that in the industry until as of late. Um, and Chef Cycle is a big part of that. I mean, a huge part.
0: Now, totally. let's talk about the other component of Chef Cycle, which is the cause that is benefiting from the the riding and the community that you've described. How important is that to you? Lentine the fact that you know every mile you ride is raising money for childhood hunger could it have been any cause Uh, Which which is and if the answer is yes, that's okay, but you know, what is it about this cause that has attracted so many?
2: Yeah, I think No, I don't think it could have been any cause. I think that you're you know as I said before and as Jeff has said that I think that our our community and our colleagues feel that it's our responsibility to feed people and feed people well and to sort of safeguard um, to safeguard the well being of, of those in our communities with food as a as a as a tool. So when you think about the the idea that you know so many American children are hungry, and a lot of us have you know work in or have worked in the highest echelon of restaurants where there's you know you're paying an I don't want ungodly amount for a meal that's sometimes consumed just out of vanity, not because you're hungry but just because you're going you're going to like say that you went. Um, that's something that's
3: that, never happened.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's happened anyway. <laughs> um, I can't imagine a more worthy cause to ride my bicycle for. You know, there's to, to the idea that you're we're making a statement about about how important it is to to continue to to fuel those communities and to and to draw attention to this cause, which most Americans are shocked by. You know, right. most most Americans, and you know, I live in Boulder. It's a rather affluent community. There's a lot of people that I speak to about this cause when I'm out on a bike ride at home who don't even realize that there is a breakfast program for children in, the, in our community, and they're sort of shocked that it's there. Um, of course it's there. Of course of course it's there for, for anyone that, and everyone that needs it, and we need to make sure that it, that, that message is heard.
0: And so. when you think about the growth in this that Adele described just a few moments ago, oh, are, we, are we just me. at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what this could be? What's your vision of it, Jeff, as somebody who's oh. been in this from the very beginning?
3: Yeah, I, I think we're, we're we haven't even scratched the surface. You know, I think that, you know, I was talking to Adele about this, and I am really lucky that Adele and I get to talk all the time, and you know, I, I probably bug her way, way more <laughs> than anyone else, because um, I call with crazy ideas, um, and she somehow fields all my phone calls, and sometimes I forget there's a three-hour time difference. Um, <laughs> but the, I think, it just, it's, it's contagious. You know, helping like we we talked about in the very beginning, helping people is contagious. Understanding like the idea, like we all as chefs understand how powerful food is, and then when you combine that with being an athlete and understanding hunger, you know, uh, mm-hmm. then it's real close to home. Like the idea, like Chris once like said it. Like
0: uh, he's okay. one of the chefs riding yeah. here. Chris Cosentino
3: is yep. one of my closest friends. He's one of the chefs riding, and you know, we were at Blackberry Farms, which is a, 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 a fondo. Uh, in North Carolina I'm no, N- oh, sorry Tennessee a
0: ride a ride right.
3: a ride yeah. and the winner of this ride because it was a bit of a race uh, got a great deal of money and for Chef Psych like, or for any charity and it was a charity ride so it was $30,000 and you know there was 10 of us in this really fancy hotel room and he stands up and he said you know when you're going up this climb tomorrow because there was a KOM challenge which means king of the mountains <laughs> or queen uh, and that rider would have gotten $10,000 whoever out of the 100 groups of uh, 100 people went up to the top of that hill whoever's the first one up there gets points and $10,000 for their charity and so he's really this, giving this motivational speech and he's like you know when you're about to crack when you are about to give up on the bike because it happens you know, think about every kid that is going to school hungry think about that hunger pain, think about it you on the bike are about to bonk think about that and it's like when you're about to give up think about the hundred thousand meals that you're about to provide that they'll never have an association with. They'll never know it was you. They'll never know it was the bike, but they're going to go home and they're going to do great things because they were able to eat and then they were able to learn and, and think about that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, and I'll tell you like going up that climb and I'm going to sell Prague, but I beat everyone up that hill. Um, I wanted to crack, I wanted to give up. And there was this point to where I knew I was Three or four minutes away, and this is a 30-minute hill climb um, with people who are fast. And I was in the red. I was seeing cross-eyed, and I thought about what Chris was saying, and then I thought about, you know, the kids. And then what really brought me there was I thought about everyone on Chef Cycle. I thought about everyone from the fastest rider to the slowest riders to the people who come in after 11 hours who are just pushing themselves. Who were, were there not because it's a fun thing to do at 11 hours? It's not fun at all. They're there because they believe in it.
0: Just say a little bit about what today's ride was like. Uh, most people think of a ride, a 100-mile ride, and it's the second day. We did a 100-mile ride yesterday. Today was the second day. Most people think you probably just like ride down the road 100 miles, but we rode mm-hmm. through some of the most gorgeous oh, country so beautiful. In, in America. I mean, if you like that kind of thing. If right? you like yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Like <laughs> rolling
3: <laughs> hills and vines.
0: Yeah, but no. what, what was it like for the two of
2: you? Oh, is it, well, I mean, it's so... It's such a powerful thing to ride down, you know, these beautiful roads with a group of people who are chatting and talking and you can, you know, you feel the momentum of of the wheels and you hear the sounds of all of your friends, you know, chatting behind you and saying, you know, silly things like gosh, it's too bad it's not beautiful out here as the sun's like dappling on the leaves and the vineyards are waking up and you see birds flying around and and it's it's um it's an it, and you're just watching the miles tick by and they go by so so fast when you're with people that you can trust and you're with people who you're looking forward to spending time with and and the and the group that we were riding with today rode a, really fast yesterday and we rode pretty fast today too but there is totally that moment when you feel like you're going to crack that you think about the fact that there's something mm-hmm. that's bigger it's not you you're only a few minutes away from relief
3: and what really motivates today is that Adele. Said that she was going to ride all 300 miles next year. Next year? Well, I <laughs> would expect her to. She called to that. me on my cell phone. <laughs> Adele's an athlete. She I'm so inspired. I'm riding all 300 miles next year. I don't know who's uh, going to plan it, so we well,
1: got, we'll have other uh, issues.
0: You've been listening to Ad Passion and Stir. We're here with three amazing people Adele Nelson, who organizes this ride for Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign. Adele, thank you for being with us. Um, and Lentine Alexis and Jeff Mayn, this is the most of I've seen of you in. in Two or three years, I usually see well, you, you for about stop, three minutes it down, buddy. So at you the beginning of the out. ride. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I see your backs for about three minutes, and then I see you maybe at dinner. But um, you guys are great riders, and you're an inspiration to so many of the people who ride. And I think so many people have been recruited mm. uh, to ride and to help the No Kid Hungry campaign, inspired by you. So thank you both for being here. Thank you, for having, thank having you us. for having us. Thanks. Get closer to the problems that you care about. There's a famous photographer named Robert Capa who once said, "If your pictures are not good enough, you're not close enough." Well, in the social change space, getting close, bearing witness, going into the community, working with people directly, getting an understanding of what they need, that's often the precursor to really powerful transformational change. Don't just post. Don't just preach. Get your hands dirty and get involved. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Kerry Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhall. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.